You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for this week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McQuarrie, your host, and I'm also the leader of the Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm being joined by David Briscoe. He's one of the editors on the Adult Explore the Bible team. David, thank you for being with us today. I'm glad to be here, Dwayne. Uh, we're going to be looking at the very first session uh, for our spring 2021 study of Luke chapter 10 through 24, and we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, a uh, familiar passage where we have the parable of the Good Samaritan. But let's, let's go ahead and walk through the passage. Let me identify the key points that we'll be looking at. Uh, in chapter 10, verses 25 through 29, uh, we see that there's a lawyer who approaches Jesus, and he wants to test Jesus. And he's going to ask a question about inheriting eternal life. Jesus turns the question on the lawyer, who in turn answers wisely by noting that people are to love God with all their beings and love their neighbors. Uh, he wants to justify his own actions, so the lawyer pressed the debate by asking Jesus to define a neighbor. So we've just entitled verses 25 through 29, The Exchange, and the main point here is that Jesus exposes our attempts to justify ourselves. In verses 30 through 35, Jesus then tells a parable about a man who was robbed and left for dead. He was ignored by a priest and a Levite, but cared for by a Samaritan. The Samaritan provided for the hurt man, even making arrangements for a local innkeeper to cover all the expenses while the man recovered. We've entitled this, The Story. And in this section, it's where Jesus communicates with us uh, in, uh, in ways that we can understand, and he's using a parable to do that. In verses 36 and 37, we find Jesus asked the lawyer to identify the true neighbor in the parable. And the lawyer identifies a Samaritan who showed compassion. Jesus then challenged the lawyer to demonstrate that same kind of compassion. So we've entitled that section of our study, The Challenge. And the main point there is that Jesus expects his followers to extend grace to all people. David, we have the story of the Good Samaritan here. Uh, what can we say about Samaritans that's not already been repeated multiple times? <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's assume as well that there might be some, uh, some new leaders or new folks who are looking at this passage and uh, maybe don't know even the... Uh, much repeated information. So it, it, it helps us, uh, even if it's basically uh, going back over some of that uh, well-known material. But it, here's what I would start by saying, and that is that the, the Samaritan is introduced in a parable. In other words, Jesus intentionally chose to put the Samaritan in the parable, uh, because the parable it is not a, uh, it's not a diary of, okay, this is what happened today, this is what I saw, whatever. A, a parable is an expertly crafted, especially with Jesus, expertly crafted story. Now, it's a realistic scenario, uh, real to life, but it is a, a crafted story. And so that tells us then that Jesus put the Samaritan in the story on purpose. 
And like all of his parables, uh, they were designed to evoke uh, what was really in a person's heart. In other words, the purpose of a parable was, was not just to tell a story. It, it wasn't even just an illustration. Um, it was something that evoked response. And so you, you start getting the hint when Jesus puts a Samaritan in the story as the hero of the story. Then you know something's going on there. Jesus is wanting to uh, pry open a heart, somebody's heart, to see what's really there. But now let, let me uh, dig a little further in just the background of the Samaritans uh, and to say that, that there was deep cultural animosity between Jews and Samaritans in Jesus's day uh, to the extent that, of course, many Jews would, would refuse to do business with Samaritans. They certainly would never uh, fellowship with them in any kind of way. Uh, and indeed would go out of their way to travel around the Samaritan territory. If they were wanting to go from Jerusalem up to Galilee, you know, they would cross the Jordan River on the east side and go up and then cross back over into Galilee when they had passed by the uh, Samaritan territory. Wouldn't even put foot in the land. Would not put a foot in the land. Now, and, and by the way, we, we have a Jewish historian, Josephus, who also tells uh, of that era, who tells us of incidents in which, you know, Samaritans would harass Jewish travelers who, <laughs> who came through their territory. But then at the same time, uh, Josephus told about uh, Jewish people who burnt entire Samaritan villages just as payback or vengeance. Uh, and there's something of this animosity even in Luke's gospel back a chapter or so before. Uh, this is in Luke 9, uh, beginning with about verse 51, and, and it's where Jesus is in Galilee and his disciples, uh, and Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem. In other words, that's Luke's verbal cue that Jesus now is determined to go toward Jerusalem because of that, uh, what is going to happen there in Jerusalem with his uh, crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, but as they set out, as Jesus and his disciples set out from Galilee, well, guess what? They traveled down into that northern territory of Samaria, and he, Jesus sent a couple of messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to try to arrange for some, uh, to stay there overnight, and the villagers of that village uh, did not welcome Jesus uh, or his followers. And that's where the two disciples, James and John, you know, showing their uh, sons of thunder attitude. Oh, yeah. hey, hey, Lord, how about we call down fire from heaven to consume these villages? So that, that gives you a, a little personal they, they idea were, about... Uh, the they were okay with... They were okay with treating them like like you would treat Sodom and Gomorrah at that point. Exactly. Yeah, let, let's just shoot, uh, <laughs> do away with it. Okay, so that's that animosity that was there. That's underlying uh, 
just the groups of, of Jews and Samaritans. Uh, well, a couple of other interesting background kind of facts. And by the way, uh, you can get a lot of this uh, history, biblical history about the Samaritans uh, from 1 Kings 16, uh, 23 to 28 is where you have the founding of Samaria by Amri. And this is during the time when you have the divided kingdom. And you may remember that the, the kingdom was divided after Solomon's death. The kingdom was divided because uh, some of the tribes uh, did not want to follow Rehoboam. Rehoboam uh, was harsh with the uh, tribes. And, uh, and so you had the split and the northern kings set up a worship center, uh, Dan and Bethel. And so you had this religious divide that happened as well between those northern kingdom tribes and the uh, southern kingdom, Judah and Jerusalem in particular, where you had the temple. So uh, in, in 2 Kings 17, you have the, uh, the account of Assyria's king defeating the northern kingdom the kingdom of Samaria, or the northern kingdom of Israel. And his approach, once defeating an enemy, was to take captives and move them out of their territory to other places and move into that territory captives from other places. So you have then around Samaria, the old northern kingdom of Israel, you have these uh, people who were of uh, non-Israelite tribes, they were pagan beliefs, and yet they, they came to intermarry some of the survivors, uh, the Israelite survivors, and the, these people who were living in that area actually began to, uh, to accept the Pentateuch as their Bible. In fact, uh, it's called the Samaritan Pentateuch. Uh, and in fact, they thought they were the true defenders and descendants of the Mosaic faith. And they thought the people in Jerusalem, the Jews who worshiped in Jerusalem were the heretics. So you had not only this cultural animosity and division, but you had this religious animosity and division between Jews and Samaritan. All of that's in the background as Jesus crafts this story uh, about the, uh, the Good Samaritan. Let me ask this question, David. Is there any difference in the Samaritan Pentateuch and what we think of as Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? Well, what we might call the Masoretic text or the, the Hebrew text from which uh, most of our Bibles today, English Bibles are translated. Uh, there are some, you know, several thousand differences. Uh, some of them are just minor differences, but there are some uh, differences in, uh, in tone and some places where, uh, you know, the, uh, the passages have been made to fit more the Samaritan context than it would the Jerusalem context. Uh, in fact, if you recall, when Jesus went through Samaria because uh, he was going from Jerusalem back to Galilee, stops at the well of Sychar, 
And there's the Samaritan woman who comes to him. And he talks with her and he begins to tell her, hey, you know, yeah, you've had five husbands and the person you're living with now is not your husband. Well, she says, well, I see you're a prophet. And here's what she says to Jesus. Well, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. She's talking about Mount Gerizim in around Samaria. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say the place to worship is in Jerusalem. So even there in that story in John chapter four, uh, you have the example of this divide, religious divide uh, and the cultural animosity between Jews and Samaritans. And he's talking to, who is he talking to? He's talking to an expert in the law. Yeah, who would have known the difference between the, the Samaritan Pentateuch and- Absolutely, and, yes. yeah. yeah, and uh, certainly would have been on the side that says, no, Jerusalem is where the temple is supposed to be and the worship of the Lord in, at Jerusalem. That's, that's the, uh, the true Mosaic faith. Uh, and, and he's an expert in the law. And here's Jesus saying, hmm, that in this story, the Samaritan is the hero. So, so we'll, we'll talk about that more. Yeah, you mentioned that, that Jesus brought this up to evoke a response, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it was going to reveal the heart of the lawyer here. Let's think about that just for a moment. There's a quote that's in both the personal study guide and the daily discipleship guide. It's, it's in reference to Luke uh, 10, 29. Here's the quote. Both rebellion and religion can be ways of running from God. Uh, it's pointing to the idea how legalism and self-righteousness in both of those, those models, those approaches to life, there's no need for God. Because in legalism, it's about keeping the rules, self-righteousness as well, same thing. And so you really don't need God in either one of those structures because it's about you uh, in that context. So that quote again is both rebellion and religion can be ways of running from God. Um, how does that quote feed into the idea that, that the lawyer's heart is trying to be uh, opened, um, revealed by Jesus in this, this conversation and with, through this, this parable? Well, you know, that, that is precisely uh, the purpose and the power of a parable. And Luke tells us right at the beginning, says he came to test Jesus. Well, how did Luke know that? Well, Luke knew it because Jesus revealed it. And here's how, here's how he did it. Okay, so the expert comes and says to Jesus, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, imagine if you're a leader of a, uh, a Bible study group. You got about 12, 15 people in the group, okay? And then uh, that day you have a visitor or two. And so you're having a discussion and then all of a sudden, one of the visitors stands up and says, what must I do to be saved? All right, so if I'm, if I'm that teacher, uh, I, I think immediately, all right, now is this person sincere asking me this, or is this person wanting to know what my doctrine is? In other words, wanting to make sure I'm with, that I give the right answer to a question. That I'm orthodox enough, maybe. Exactly. So that's, Jesus saw 
immediately that the lawyer's question, what must I do to inherit eternal life, was, had, had a hidden motive to it. So he turned it back on him, as you said earlier. And, and he said, well, all right, what do your scriptures say? What's the Bible say? And this is an expert in the scriptures. And so guess what? The, the expert in the law gives the right answer. He says, well, there are two, two great commandments. Jesus later says, these are the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so when the expert in the law quoted those two passages, Jesus said, that's right, that's right. Do this and you will live. Well, uh, not <laughs> make, make a caveat here that Jesus was not saying that we have work salvation. In fact, what he's going to do is actually to uh, indicate that it can't be work salvation. But at that point, he's saying, all right, okay, if you know in your, if you know in your mind the right answer, then do that and you'll live. But the lawyer reveals his heart when he said, or starts to reveal his heart when he said, yeah, but who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Does that mean I have to love everybody? And that's when Jesus saw the opening that only a parable could pry open further. This parable of the Good Samaritan, because it, it uh, forced the, the expert in the law, the lawyer, it, it forced him to think, what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? What does that really mean? Does that mean just to be able to quote that verse? Or does that mean you actually love, you show love, you demonstrate love? And so Jesus told the parable at that point. With that in mind, David, so a lot of times when we, we look at the Good Samaritan, we think the whole purpose then is for us to be challenged to help others. That that's, that's what we're focusing on. But based on what you've just said and some other things here, the main focus may not be on just us helping others, but it may be on revealing our heart and our lack, or our, not lack of, our bend towards self-righteousness. Help us think through the main focus of the parable here. Is it helping others, although that's, that's a theme here, or is it self-righteousness revealing self-righteousness? Right, and I, I would say yes, yes to both. <laughs> and it's both because they are connected in the context of loving one's neighbor as oneself. Jesus was wanting to get below the surface of just knowing God's word. You remember James talks about this as well later in the epistle of James about the difference between uh, being a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. So it's, it's the difference between knowing God's word and doing God's word. So uh, the lawyer knew the right scriptural answer to the question, but he thought that what it meant then to be loving one's neighbor as oneself and loving God with all one's heart, soul, mind, and strength was to be able to just answer the, the questions correctly from the scripture and then uh, to go through ritual motions of uh, sacrifice and whatever uh, that one might do in terms of worship, uh, 
but never get to the point of doing what God's word said when it says, love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus then told the parable where a priest, a priest goes by a man, we don't know who this man was, we only know that he was robbed, beaten, and left half dead, not dead, but half dead. So here's a priest, schooled in the scripture and schooled in the rituals, and yet he walked by on the other side. Here comes a Levite. Well, what's a Levite? A Levite is like a ministry assistant, okay? So they, they too, uh, know what it's like to put into practice the, uh, the Word of God. And yet, this Levite uh, walks by on the other side. Both of these, no doubt, are Jews, just like the expert in the law. And here comes a Samaritan, a Samaritan of all people. And what does the Samaritan do? The Samaritan goes over to the man, doesn't know who, whether it's a Jew or another Samaritan or, or who, just sees the man in need, sees the man hurting, takes him up and uh, bandages him, puts oil on him, takes him on his own animal to the town and put, puts him up in an inn to let him recuperate uh, further and tells the innkeeper, I, I've got to go take care of some business, but I'm coming back. And if you spend more on his care, I'll, I'll certainly, uh, you know, pay that. You, you have that story. And so Jesus then says, all right, now you tell me, speaking to the expert of the law, you tell me who, who, who actually put into practice loving one's neighbor as oneself? Who did? Who was the neighbor? As a, as a uh, lawyer, his friends would have been priest and Levites. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's who he would and have hung out with. They would have shared the common fate, and so uh -huh. to speak. And yet, uh, you know, he, he couldn't bring himself to say, oh, the Samaritan. He couldn't bring himself to do it. What did he say? He said, the one who showed mercy. So he got that much of it right, but he still was revealing that unwillingness to think, could a Samaritan be my neighbor? Uh, would, I, would I help a Samaritan if it were a Samaritan lying there half dead in the ditch? Would I love my neighbor as myself if the Samaritan was the neighbor? So, you know, the heart of the, of the, the self-righteous heart of the expert in the law, the lawyer, was revealed when he, even though he, again, gave the right answer, well, the one who showed mercy was the neighbor. That's what it means, not just to hear the word, but to do the word. But he couldn't quite bring himself yeah. to pull down that one barrier, and that is that my neighbor could be someone who is not like me. So he's, he's demonstrating his own self-righteousness in that context. What are some ways... Uh, people may demonstrate self-righteousness today. Well, uh, you know, I, I thought about this question, and it, it first of all, reminded me of another parable that's actually going to be looked at in session three, so I'll, I won't get deeply into it, but I just want to mention it, and that's the, the parable where a Pharisee and a tax, the tax collector both go to the temple, 
and they're going there to pray. And the Pharisee, uh, and, and Luke indicates to us that Jesus told this parable to people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. So again, there's that reveals at least one way that self-righteousness can, can be exhibited, and that is that you look down on others. But as the Pharisee prayed, he, he demonstrated that, but he, he expressed it in even uh, more specific terms. He, he said this about himself, God, I, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not greedy. I'm not unrighteous. I'm not an, an adulterer. And what he was doing there was, you know, when he was coming before God, he was saying, well, at least I'm not like that other person. And so he named other kinds of people who were known for either greediness, unrighteousness, adultery, and then specifically points to the tax collector. I'm not like that tax collector either. Then he says two things. He says, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. So here's a person, a Pharisee, who's glad that he's not like other people who do bad things. And not only that, I got a couple of religious things that I do. You know, so people today uh, can, use, can use these statements as sort of a, a mirror to hold it uh, up to themselves to say, well, am I trusting in my church attendance? Am I trusting in my tithing? Am I trusting in how good I am? As that, those attitudes where you build yourself up by comparing yourself to others, that's, that's self-righteousness. And it's a danger because it shuts us off to God's spirit convicting us of our sins and it takes something like a parable (laughs) like this parable of the good Samaritan to kind of break that open for us and help us to realize well I am even though I go to church every Sunday even though I tithe even though I treat my neighbor right uh, I am in need of God's grace because I'm a sinner and it's only by God's grace that I can change and can be what God wants me to be. David, are there any other thoughts or insights you would share from this passage in Luke 10? Well, uh, no, I think we have a map, don't we, with, uh, in, the, in the pack? Yes, we do. Because uh, it's with diff- the, the, the pack that, or the map that's in the back of the personal study guide, the daily discipleship guide, leader guide, everything else, and map number one is a map of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. We're not to Jerusalem yet right. at this part of Luke. So there's a second map called Jesus's Travels. I think it's pack item three. Um, and it, it looks at the larger context of here. In fact, it has a road uh, from Jericho to Jerusalem, which would point to this parable as well, I think, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Um, and and shows the, does it show the area of Samaria? Yes, it does. All right, so it, it gives people, uh, participants in the Bible study, an opportunity to see, uh, okay, where is Samaria in relation to Galilee? Where is it in relation to uh, Jerusalem? Uh, and, and in talking about the background of Samaritans would be 
I, I think helpful to at least point that out. Sure, sure. Well, David, thank you for joining us today. Thank you all for listening to us today. If you have any comments or questions, you're welcome to send me an email at dwayne.mccrary at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your questions. If I don't know the answer, I will find the right person who can answer that question. And that'll be my promise to you. Next week, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 15. David's going to be with us again. We'll be looking at another parable uh, during that time. So we look forward to you being with us.